This is W-O-W-D-L-P, Tacoma Park. Hi, good morning. Ninety years ago, the great American philosopher John Dewey gave us a new view of how art works and why art is so important to us. This is the Artist Experience Radio Show, and I'm Sheila Blake, and I'm here with Tom Sinakis. Artist Experience is the title of Dewey's great book on the philosophy of art, and we follow in the tradition of Dewey in his anti-hierarchical footsteps and see art everywhere in our lives. We take art down from its high pedestal and reject its pretensions of holiness and awe and unreality, and we look for the origins of art in the experiences of everyday life. Today, we have a special guest, Rachel Gates. She's a puppeteer. Rachel is the founder of Puppet Lab at Rhizome, D.C., a community art space here in our Tacoma neighborhood. So this is a departure. She's been on our show before, and we had so much to ask her that we're so happy to have her back. Hi, Rachel. Hi. It's wonderful to be here. Great. Well, Rachel, it's it really is great to see you again, and we want to say that Ra- Rachel is a Tacoma Park, yeah. you know, community <laughs> artist, and that's really, really important, and uh, that's a part of the excitement. She's here. She's She's available for the community to talk about uh, puppets, which I've always been, you know, enamored by and also frightened by in some way. But we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but, but um, you know, with this COVID situation that we've been in for so many years, it seems years now, um, how, is, how is COVID and, and this time, you know, as it's changed so many artists' lives, like certainly Sheila and I, How's it? How's it affected you and the puppets? Uh, are you taking care of them in this special time? Well, what opportunities have you had uh, to, to 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 spend some quality time with the puppets during COVID? Uh, well, starting with quality time, I well, let me first say, I'm going to backtrack a little before me, which is that. Uh, The performing arts was very hard hit from the COVID with not being able to have a live audience. And the public community, that's a theater, and they were very hard hit. The people that were um, full-time professional puppeteers were very hard hit by the COVID situation and what they were going to do next. But um, the lab and the whole puppet community discovered Zoom and were able to communicate in a brand new way. And there was sort of a renaissance that came in the puppet community um, with the ability to show each other what we were working on and be able to show it visually. So that was amazing. And then I know I'm not the only one. I mean, there definitely was like a um, strata of how people were reacting with the COVID situation, but I was, um, (laughs) I was guilty that I was doing so well in, because of the COVID, (laughs) because, um, because I work as a teacher and because the school hours were reduced, well, in the teaching, I think I said last time I wouldn't use a puppet with kids. But that's different with Zoom and with an online class because I don't have to watch the whole class. They were all, uh, they were all being watched by their parents, so I could pull out a puppet for the class. Interesting. And, um, wow. Yeah, and then also I had far more working time because I mean I got pretty heavy because I wasn't doing the walking <laughs> that I normally do to get to and from work. But uh, I really was able to have so much more 
puppet development time that I really actually was sort of pinching myself and feeling guilty like wow, I'm really able to pursue this in a new way. <laughs> so the, the technology here was a plus with the Zoom. So we all had this learning curve as teachers, you know, uh, and educators. So the, we had to embrace the Zoom. Yeah. And so then you had to embrace the Zoom and the puppets and the students. So it was kind of a... A, a bigger family in the in the uh, electronic digital technological age so the, the so uh, your puppets it had to be you know had to have the learning curve too yeah right yeah that's amazing it it grew and shrunk at the same time because uh, so um the the I'm keeping both I'm keep, so I like we had rhizome puppet lab that was live and then we switched to Rhizoom, which was, <laughs> which was uh, um, and then um, that turned into global. We had like two people from Canada, a person from England, two people from Japan. Um, it, it, it's such a different thing. It's such a different thing. Um, and there's no way that I would shut that down. So now we have both the people can come to Rhizome Puppet Lab, both either virtually or live or both. I would love to have somebody else doing both besides me. <laughs> but uh, one of the things that happened to answer your question or, or to speak to what you were talking about, about working on the puppets, I, I was trying to do, I have a script that I would like to produce with uh, people, but the building of the puppets was very um, challenging to talk about and work out during the time of COVID when we couldn't um, see each other. And so the plan, initial plan, was that each puppeteer was going to build their own puppet. And they did not feel very secure with the building. So I was going to step into my art teaching role to help them build their puppets. And then I found out how touchy I am as an art teacher. I touch things like when people uh, draw something, I, I, if I want to, instead of using words, if I want to say something about the drawing, I put tracing paper on their drawing and then I do the line I'm talking about on top and then take it away. Um, um, and, uh, or with clay, sometimes I, a lot of times I'll take the clay or take the fabric and do it and show the student. It's, it's just so much more, it's, there's, I was really stumped. I really couldn't help them with the art or have it. And I also had another person that wanted me to help her with a puppet and that was just one-on-one. -on -one. And I, I uh, ended up feeling so frustrated. Uh, I felt more frustrated as an art teacher with online far more than with the puppets. Uh -huh. Well, because you get it, it's not only optical learning, it's also uh -huh. tactile learning. Yeah. And, and that's a very special, uh, that's a very special kind of thing. Uh, I have to say you were very, very sensitive to put the tracing paper over the drawing. Yes, and draw me the, too. I never not saw me. that. I just go right for the drawing. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I've been accused that's of that, weird. and that's very old-fashioned. Yes, I you know, know. Now we're not that sensitive at our ages, Sheila. Yeah, but right. while we draw, give me a pencil and let, <laughs> let me fix this. You know. You know. So you extremely sensitive. Now I don't know in the college level. You know, I think they could handle it, but I don't know. You know. I don't know about a younger student, but uh, that's that's and also in the age of COVID, you don't want to get too touchy. Right, also. right, so, right. I mean, I, I I do it now that everybody's vaccinated, but um, you know, I'm very very leery of touching somebody else's pencil, and I'm usually constantly hand washing. So that's a that's an issue. But well, this is this is so in some ways, there's you grew. In the, in the techno technology of the new situation, and you and this is what we have to do. We have to evolve as artists. But how how tell us how maybe your your puppets have evolved in in, in this way? I mean, uh, how how do you work with them 
any differently in the sense of, of, of the manipulation of the puppet? Because on Zoom, are there any changes? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Basically, I find, uh, I'm surprised that I haven't seen that many puppeteers using hand puppets. And there was a, a conversation where somebody said, hey, the hand puppets are back in. <laughs> I was like, Wow, I didn't really know they had left. Uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, like I, I'm very partial to hand puppets, and um, and one of the reasons that I'm partial to hand puppets is because so the people that don't like hand puppets, they're very small, so you're limiting your audience when you have hand puppets because of the sight lines. But, uh, but as a pup, as a person that's telling a story, you can have two, uh, very uh, two characters that have a lot of ability to emote with all different parts of their body at the same time. But the thing about the the, the zoom screen is, for, especially for a hand puppet, is that's basically what a, a hand puppet booth is, is it's a black rectangle. And you know what? Also, a, a lot of us, Jim Henson was like the prince of puppetry yes. and one of his big things he went to puppets because of his love of camera and television and he he was the one who had people using the camera to go in and go out instead of the puppet moving mm -hmm. so i think a lot of us like when we first saw the zoom me and a couple others, we wanted to do like that Brady Bunch thing where they like look up at each other, look down or wave. And then we learned very quickly that at that time it didn't work that way because the squares were on a different order on everybody's screen. Ah, I have to ask your puppet a question. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. I wanted to know. Okay. First of all, hi, what's your name? Hi, I'm Pick Pick. Hi, Pick Pick. Hi. So... How has COVID affected you? Oh, oh man. Well, well, I, well. Actually, I've been on the on the um, I've been in the lab much more during uh -huh. COVID than I did live. And did you get vaccinated? What? <laughs> That's for people. Oh, you didn't have to get vaccinated. No, okay. I didn't have to do that. Oh. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay, I worried about you in a oh, needle. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't like needles. Okay. You're listening to WOWDLP Tacoma Park. I'm Sheila Blake with Tom Sinakis, and this is Artist Experience. We're talking today with puppeteer Rachel Gates and, and with her puppets. Okay. Hello. Hi. Hi. I'm Rory. Hi. Hi. I'm... Well, Rory the parrot. And Rory I, the parrot. Yeah, I have a voice and I'm not even built yet. Wow, <laughs> but your voice comes first. The rest well, is just... not always. Not always? Not always. Well, what does come first? I'm very special. I bet, what? Oh, uh, she usually goes with mechanics first. Oh, yeah? Yeah, like she thinks about the character and, you know, like... Like that, Gippy doesn't really have a voice. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> wow, well, you're the only parrot I've ever met with a blue tongue. Really? That's very exciting. Yeah, is that a lot of blueberry eating? or? Ah, uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you I, know I, I want to tell our listeners, just so you know, these, these puppets are so alive and they're so friendly and you just i wish well we'll put some pictures up on on our artist experience facebook but you have to know that these these this is the most adorable thing we have seen as, <laughs> in, in our short life as, <laughs> absolutely um I, you know, I have to say, puppets have intimidated me all my life, and I hope I sleep tonight. Thank you. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, we're on radio, and, and we have to get these on our Facebook page, as Sheila says, because they're absolutely, you know, enthralling and Thank with personalities you. of their own. And, uh, and I think that's, that's in, in, important because 
it's a process. We talk a lot of process uh, a lot in our show and uh, the character development of of these. Now, has any of your characters, any of your puppets, in other words, taken on anything uh, recently with either COVID or or the current events of the day here in the United States or globally, like does the pup is the some of these puppets might be interested in global warming or or climate change? Does any of that has any of that in the recent since yeah. we saw you last? There there have been labs and and festivals where people were dealing with a COVID. There's someone in Virginia who's very good, Paul Greggs, and he's a ventriloquist. And he um, and he made a COVID puppet named Covey, oh. and and Covey wants to be everyone's friend. Covey's like, hey, how you do? Yeah, you know. And there were different versions of that because there was another um, artist, uh, Robert Payne, and and actually, I saw that COVID puppet per- first, and that COVID puppet. So Covey looks like COVID. He's like a round ball with the but, but um, but. There was this other puppet that was um, a green hand puppet, and he had like wild hair, and he was very like sort of abstractly painted, like, um, and and he was like, uh, I don't know if I can say that word on the radio, but he was um, extremely amorous. Yeah. Um, in a very aggressive way and, um, and, um, and he, and he seemed so smarmy. I can use that word. He was the, I think the key word for that first COVID puppet I saw was smarmy. So he was beautiful in his smarminess. He just wanted to get all over you, baby. So, uh, you know, so that was a, that was one way I saw it dealt with and, um, you know, but, uh, yeah, the COVID was being dealt with in all sorts of ways that Henson ended up, um, you know, putting out a special grant for puppeteers that were professional puppeteers so that they could they could continue their profession. <laughs> so 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 now that let's say COVID, maybe it's not necessarily a waning, uh, you know, there's, there's, it's going up. But how do you see the, the, the future of the puppet in our community with things opening up uh you can have students now i imagine at the lab and you know how how has that protocols affected the protocols affected you at the lab well i i guess i will just answer that by saying what's coming up um i i'm really excited with something that's not going to happen until uh february in february but i i i'm hoping that it's going to be a reoccurring thing um, because a lot of people, if they have a character, um, like we were talking about, they're in different stages of development. So I have a format that I hope is going to work really well, and that lab is going to be called Character Schmaracter. Oh, and, um, and the And I'm going to um, do a shout-out, and they're the first, and it's order of, order of vol- everybody should have a chance but i'm only going to use two characters at a time and then those characters are going to um those people of those puppets they're going to find objects in their house uh, so this can be done at zoom or live they're going to find objects that they think are interesting for their character to work with and then we'll work with the two characters individually but then the, the last third of the lab they'll meet each other and so that will be that lab that I'm excited about. And, um, and also in uh, January, we're not going to have a lab for New Year's Day. But, um, and it looks like, oh, I thought we were going to do the 8th, but there's an art installation going on on the 8th. So we may or may not be able to do the Rhizome Lab on the 8th. But somewhere around the 8th, um, um, there, we're going to have a live lab by uh jenna beth davidson who's from this area but she's been get, earning her master's in puppetry at uconn university of connecticut and um and she's basically working on her thesis her puppet show that has to do with her her own personal history and 
it's going to be a project. It's going to be a project exploration, and it's probably going to be called Fire Child Character, where she's going to take a, a scene, a moment out of what she's working on to work it in lab with people who are there to come up with ideas or or make comments. Um, people will say, this this made me feel this way, or I disconnected when this happened, and, and that mm. kind of thing. Could you remind our listeners, um, Rachel, uh, the, 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 the address where all this occurs? Uh, could you give us some of these stats? Oh, and yeah, uh, I memorize the even, address. Even, and even uh, if you've got a, a, a website and things like that so we can share with our listeners? Yeah, Rhizome DC is, uh, I've had, it's very easy to, to Google. on uh, um, R-H-I-Z-O-M-E DC. And, um, and they list both the the live labs as well as the um, Zoom labs dates. You're listening to Artist Experience on WOWDLP Tacoma Park, 94.3 FM. We're talking today with Rachel Gates, the founder of the Puppet Lab at Rhizome DC. So I wanted to ask you, mm-hmm. the minute you put on the puppets, something happens. <laughs> something happens between... All of us, me, the puppets, they're, there's some, they're not real. I know that. I can see that. But they are anyway. Just your, the hand gestures, the puppet with his hand to his cheek. The, and what is that? How do you talk about that particular mm. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> this is what I'm most interested in. So important. This is, this is the stuff that just really wraps, uh, I can't wrap my head around it. Go ahead. Yeah, how do you do that? Uh, well, um, part of the, well, part of the lab is kind of asking that question. How do you make, the the labs are all about, um is the labs are for anyone, whether they are a professional puppeteer all the way to when they've never tried it and you're just interested in it. And it's, uh, <laughs> everybody, um, so elusive. What you're talking about, like the life of the puppet is very elusive. It's kind of like, you know, this painting, I see the light in this painting and it's, and all the leaves seem alive and the air seems to be there. And how did you do that? (laughs) Uh, You know, it's, it's, it's a similar moment where if there's a particular painting or a particular drawing maybe stronger for you and even carries better to your audience and seems more alive, it's very hard to put your finger on it. But because there's a whole history of painting, you can say, well, light seems to make a pretty big difference to a lot of people. And so Lab is trying to find those things that make that difference. Um, So one thing is voice contrast. One thing is focus. One thing is um, physicality. Um, um, So there's like gravity, there's muscle, there's breathing. Um, these, these are all things to consider with a puppet. Um, there's handspring theater. Uh, well, Mary Robinette Cowell had, had a wonderful workshop where she talked about different categories of puppetry acting. And then much more recently, handspring puppet said a lot of things that to me all could be, almost all could be categorized, but what Mary had already said. But um, the one that couldn't really to me is touch. And they said that um, part of the acting is through touch because when a puppet touches something, it forces the audience person to imagine what that thing feels like. And if they're thinking of the tactility of how it feels like, then it's a connection. So, you know, again, like any art, if you make people really smell the coffee, <laughs> you know, then it's a good painting. Uh-huh. <laughs> right, right. Uh-huh. right. Yeah. Masking yeah. the medium, it yeah. becomes something uh, something more profound. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
that, that's remarkable. Well, how about the yeah. inflections and the dynamics uh, in a voice? And because and, and, one of the things that I mean, I don't know, there's got to be some rules to that because you know, you don't want to puppet when it shouts, it might frighten someone, right? I mean, uh, how, how does that work? Is there any rules on that or no? I, I, I think. Um, well, this is one of my study areas that I want to get, that I want to continue to grow in. But I would say they line up pretty close to exact with just acting voice um, thoughts about relaxing your body, about knowing. Uh, like, so one of my recent growths was um, a, a, a book of saying, don't expect your voice to really be different voices. It's never gonna really be different voices. It's always you, and but you need to relax your voice and relax into the character. And if you're really in the moment and you're really um, expressing the feeling of what the character is feeling, that's what makes it feel true. And that, that's a lot of what the actors are working with is uh, because um, they'll say that uh, that as an adult, you've learned to shut down a lot of your uh, a lot of your sounds. Just being social, a social adult in society, you've locked down some of your sound, and your body is not doing your voice the way it could be doing your voice if you really spent time with voice lessons with an expert, and then that expert a lot of what they would be doing is helping you find where tension is and help helping you relax your body to uh be able to release and be able to be open and and you were talking about process earlier a lot of it is ability to fail a lot of it is ability to say uh failure helps me go forward it's not holding me back it helps me go forward and and even knowing that it can be hard to it's always really hard to get up there and fail you know but it's so important to the process and the reason i i picked up this puppet when you were talking about process yes. dippity that i don't have a voice for that you'll have a picture of uh this is a gift horse that's going to be in a birthday show called glad you could make it and it's a pun with the child is there they made it they're they're there but also it's a there'll be workshops you know the kids will make things as well as there being a puppet show and it's the show will be about the process of creativity that dippity wants to be an artist dippity wants to be an artist so there's definitely going to be some failure and some problems or maybe some losing the glasses that are on top of your head <laughs> you know um i'll be searching for art process uh and and um and a lot of getting there is just being willing to start over well dippity yeah. is almost life-size i think our yeah. audience is seeing I mean, horses are not small animals yeah and, and dippity <laughs> is uh maybe a pony size uh, <laughs> horse but uh she just seems that way <laughs> well i wanted to mention that because uh, i have a couple of projects at, at school we, i call them the big critter projects and i have this huge bag of stuffed animals and i and this is going to sound really interesting because the students i find they they give they they talk about their stuffed animals with a gender and this is fascinating to me because, you know, there's no really, I don't know how they use gender appropriation because stuffed animals usually don't come with, you know, anything that really kind of says a gender uh, in the way of anatomical issues. So how, how does that come about? Because you refer to Dippity as a she. And, but, but I actually go back and forth for a long time. I was calling Dippity he. And recently I've settled into maybe Dippity's a she. This character is still finding their voice. Um, um, but uh, but actually, now I don't count this as a rhizome lab yet, but I, wrote, I ran it as a side lab because since Rhizome DC is really about radical inclusion where everyone belongs, I felt like a women's lab would would not really be in that mold. And 
now if I did it over, I would have just welcomed men and women, or maybe I had to pass through something first with with all women. But there were a lot of women that were concerned about um, range of voice because one always hears, you know, that men can do a much bigger range than um, a woman can. But <clears throat> that gets back to accepting your own voice. But it also was an interesting discussion in terms of stereotypes and how we might actually shut ourselves down by by only having like a cute little baby voice girl and a vamp girl and and not much else and actually when i talked about this in a a lab later um the best range of female voices i heard from a man <laughs> so that's a little like i learned how to do a sexy walk from tim curry and rocky horror picture show <laughs> and then i learned about uh and then i learned about uh more about range of women's voice from um robert payne when he was um doing a series of different women voices you know he did like a very sophisticated older woman and he, he did all these different people so it's it's better with a voice to just think about the character's personality uh-huh and but yes and oh and that one more thing like there were other women besides me that that had the impulse of calling their character he initially i used to think that was a quirk that i had but it turns out that that's a, f a f at least a few of us do that and that might just be based in our language mm -hmm. that our language defaults mm -hmm. to he mm -hmm. so you're listening to W-O-W-D-L-P, Tacoma Park. I'm Sheila Blake, and this is Artist Experience. We're talking today with puppeteer Rachel Gates. How did they teach you to be Just a happy puppet dancing on the string how did you learn everything that comes along with strangest fun of Tell me something Tell if me the world is so insane. Is it making you sane again too? Let another man talk at the tail that falls off your nodding head. How did A happy puppet dancing on a stage How do you manage to live inside this tiny stage you can be? Tell me something Listening to WOWDLP Tacoma Park. I'm Sheila Blake. This is Artist Experience. We're talking today with puppeteer Rachel Gates. Rachel, when you were when you were uh, inhabiting your puppets, mm -hmm. um, I had for the first time the same feeling that I used to have when I used to play with dolls. And my dolls, when I was little, and then not so little, even I was maybe 10 or 11, I felt that my dolls were real. And I talked to them, I dressed them. I had a doll that was uh, the size of a one-year-old baby, and I used to, here I'm, shoplift clothes for my doll. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Shows yeah. you a lot. <laughs> And they do have a creepy side. Yeah. <laughs> Blame the doll. But, Thanks, Sheila. Blame but the doll. 
I, now, if I see a doll, it's just a doll. It's like plastic or whatever and, and fabric. But that feeling is what came over me. And I wonder about, I mean, I had to leave it behind with my dolls because I was growing up and I would be teased. But this phenomenon of that they're real and not real is so close to me. I'm, I just, I just have to wonder about it. Like there were in the seventies, there was a sculptor, Dwayne Hansen, and he's his work is all over the place, and he made lifelike, very realistic uh, sculptures of people in very realistic places like a museum guard or a, a, a cop or two people, tourists with money coming out of their pockets and stuff. And that approaching those sculptures has a similar feeling of real and not real. Like you, you can't really believe they're not real. And so I, I had to, I wanted to talk about that a bit, you know, with you. Um, you're making me think, I, I'm not exactly sure how this connects, but um, my father's a sculptor, sculptor, so I hear a lot of thoughts about sculpture, uh-huh. um, but one that um, really impressed me was um, an art teacher in high school, Mrs. Sundstrom. She said how she told, how she decided that a sculpture was really good was if it it forced her to know what the previous or the next actions were. That she could so easily imagine the sculpture unfrozen that um, that's for her like what made it a great sculpture. That was brilliant of her. Uh, Yeah, yeah, it's very brilliant. It's not actually that original though. Um, Because because that... That no, that that's a very true insightful thing. Um, and Michelangelo, uh, very in, very much so in in the same way. His unfinished sculptures, mm-hmm. as you see them, uh, we almost could could continue looking at them, and they become they come out of the unfinished marble. And he's kind of looking at like I'm thinking of the discus thrower of ancient Greek sculpture. Like he, he's 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 a you know he's got the disc and you know where it's going. Yeah. Like you don't have to really go much further. His musculature is going to send it somewhere, and especially you see that in Hellenistic sculpture. But that, I think that's such a powerful thing that the teacher could say that to you because because I think and, and here's where sculpture in some ways is related to theater in the sense that the actors are really three-dimensional sculptures on the stage, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and, and they're coming to life, right? That, I mean, Shakespeare was totally about this. And, and, and so it, that's the fine line between the imagination and the reality. Yes. And, 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 and that's what makes it so powerful. That, mm-hmm. that you could your story about the dolls was uh, terrific, Sheila. Uh, and 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 I'm I have never been in a play. I have never be, uh, been on stage to do anything uh, like you know an actor or something like that. But I'm fascinated by the fact that you you become so immersed in somebody that isn't that somebody. You know the actor is playing a role, and it doesn't matter what it is. That that it it it. Uh, it it flips the psyche. It it taunts the psyche. It it it, it lies to the psyche. It it does it all. It opens up all kinds of things to the psyche that that makes what theater has been doing for centuries upon centuries. So that's where you, as a, as a puppeteer, come in. You you're you're playing those lines there, and that to me is fascinating. But and and also you know I do love drawing and I do love sculpting and those. And I do those things as part of the the puppets, and I I think you know even though it's not uh, it's not detailed like a character, but when I draw, and I draw like a thicker darker line for a shadow, or someone's reaching up and um, and the pencil or the brush becomes light and fades away or something, there's a physical feeling to the lightness and the heaviness the heavy coloring or the 
strokes that correspond to a real physical feeling of of heaviness or lightness when I'm drawing it. Yes. Did you when Okay, so that's very interesting to me because of people learning to draw on Zoom and I have a very hard time about this because to me learning to draw is uh, especially from the figure is learning in your own body to more than identify, but become the body of the person exactly. you're drawing. And so when you're learning to draw on Zoom, it's you're light years away from that. You can't reach out. You can't, you know, it's, a, it's something on a screen, a person on a screen. And I think what you just said is so important. That's what drawing to me really is. Yeah, like if I'm sculpting a character and they're angry, then I have to channel that tension into that face. I like I feel a certain mm -hmm. amount of tension to make a tense face. And, you know, and I might even be like scrunching my face into a mirror or uh -huh. something to right. look at some stuff. But even just without looking at myself, um, you know, and that's breath with a puppet that's that that's why breathing is so important with a puppet because you can breathe young, you can breathe old, you can breathe happy, you can breathe sad. And I, I do think that it carries over into a lot, if not all of the other arts. And yeah, you could kind of call this a, a kinetic sculpture. Yes. <laughs> sure. Yeah, for sure. You know, Sheila, you know, that, that is just so true. And it, it's, as, and, and as Rachel said, it, there's, there's a physicality to all this that that you know it's not it's an emotionality it's a uh, physicality it's possibly a spirituality to this whole thing, and and I think that's um, you know some artists have been known to paint when they're really angry really well, some are happy, some are in another state of mind, and and they're channeling it through the paint through the charcoal, uh, so on and so forth, and and I think that's like. You know, looking at Sheila's work, I mean, all these years that I've been seeing it, it's like Sheila is her work and her work is Sheila. See, that's a unison. That takes a maturity. And that's where I think you come in, Rachel, in teaching about this, about letting that, I call it surrendering uh -huh. to, to the mediums that you would use to make a, to make a puppet. And... And as you do, Sheila, as, uh, as well. I mean, that 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 takes years of, of development. You know, very rarely that's like a prodigy pops up and all of a sudden their vision is there. I mean, maybe Salvador Dali, you could put them him in that category. But it takes maturation to do such a thing. And you 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 said it already on the show, which I thank you for saying. It's about you're still growing. Absolutely. Yes. I'm in trouble if I'm not still growing. Right. Well, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Right. Yeah, so it's an, it's it's a continuum. It's it's a wonderful wonderful continuum. You're listening to Artist Experience on WOWDLP Tacoma Park 94.3 FM. We're talking today with Rachel Gates, the founder of the Puppet Lab at Rhizome DC. And I want to know what would you like to say in as the future of what you are doing? And, and and you're not just as an individual, but as a puppeteer with a whole, as we're finding out, a, a world of puppeteers. And where do you see yourself as growing? As going? Uh, myself as growing. Yeah. Um, ultimately, I really want to be... Um, I guess my ideal place in some ways is being a director of Puppet Show again. Um, um, that's what this is all kind of lining up to personally. Um, I, I want, I'm really eager for puppet shows to start taking place at Rhizome or maybe some demos, not only that happen at Rhizome, but right across the street, there's a Busboys and Poets. So I've mm -hmm. thought about that stage as well for. Oh, I'd love to see you do that. Yeah, I would yes. love to do that too. But I need much more built, and uh, and there's 
there's so many things to be juggled right now and I am not a I am not a full-time puppeteer and um um so the lab is uh an amazing outlet you know not just for people who are really experienced or people who want to experience but uh we're lucky in that we have a number of you know professional puppeteers that partake of the rhizome lab but it's also there for those of us who can't do it full time so yeah i'm exploring it as much as i can i'm hoping that each summer will build on the last summer i always think about having including children at the lab is only for adults and i've taught a lot of children i think a lot of puppeteers we want puppetry to be taken seriously on the same level as theater um and if there was an actor improv group, people would not assume that children can come too. <laughs> um, so I think that's part of my reason. I ask for people to be at least 16 so that we can really, I feel like at that age, we can really deal with any topic at all that comes up and then I don't have to worry about exposing a child. Um, but I want to include kids too. There's a young man that I'm mentoring who's actually my daughter's age, around 13 or 14. And then also in the summer, I had a camp that filled up. That's what I was trying to say. I had a camp that filled up that was a puppetry building camp for like 10 to 14-year-olds. And then next summer, I'm hoping to have two camps, one that's performance and one that's building, uh, so that those kids could potentially come back, do the performance workshop with the puppets they've already built, and build new puppets. Um, so I yes, I want to grow. What's that's my main growing space is what can happen in the summer. Okay. Oh, that's terrific! As things great. are growing up, uh, uh, I don't know if we have we have any time, but the word improv came up, and um, does maybe this is a, maybe a good way because we'll probably have a few only a few more minutes. Does like you take a, a puppet off the shelf that you have in your studio, and do you you know you kind of dust it off? You haven't seen the him or her <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a few months or whatever, and you bring it to the lab or you introduce it to another puppeteer who brings their puppet that dusted off. So, what do, do you have these? Do you have these impromptu kind of get-togethers that? That you say, hey, let and, and let's see what happens in the improv situation. Oh yeah, every every lab is an imp improv in a way. Even the more even the most planned lab is an improv that's asking for input from everybody. So and, and they have conversations they, and they, they they create their own. Yeah, story. they they uh well we don't always do a story. You know, sometimes we do a scene, and um, we don't usually record it, but sometimes we do. And it's not always in words, but sometimes it is. <laughs> yeah. um, we had one lab where um, two people knew each other. Only two people showed up. They they hadn't realized the other one was coming. They both did dance together. And the, the thing that day that I had brought was um, a small skeleton that was flexible. And they basically brought their dance class to that puppet where that, that skeleton did some remarkable ballet and it was really beautiful. It was really wonderful to see. But, um, wow, um, you know, there's two people on one puppet with a tabletop puppet. So they really came together. They, you know, it's sort of like a Ouija board, like they don't know each other, but they, they knew what the moves were so they could make that figure move How, that what way. What a great situation to ha happen. Yeah, I think a lot of puppeteers, they're like, I could use more hands. <laughs> so I think that's almost yeah. any puppeteer, unless they're like really established companies or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, 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 I kind of, it, it becomes a, a new kind of communication, right? I mean, there, we have this third party, the skeleton, mm -hmm. and, and now we're, 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 we're having a, a conversation which could be, you know, physical conversation through the dance moves, which in many ways, I mean, the sensuality of dance is all about that. So, 
So I, I think that's fascinating. Um, I mean, in some ways, I mean, doing the, 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 the emotionality and the range of emotions that we have as human beings, I mean, I could see this like being exponential in an improv situation. It just, there's no limits, right? I yeah. mean, really to the physicality maybe, but I don't know. Is there? Are there any limits we're, to what could happen? We are, it's a lab. We're exploring the limits. We are going to assume there's endless limits. So uh, I'm, I, the things that I feel like I've learned from or have become um, sort of definitions or concepts that have been worked with, uh, eventually maybe that it'll be a little flyer that I can send out or something. So or, uh, here's something. There's, uh, I said... I called one of the labs three labs ago. I called it the fifth wall, puppetry's yes. fifth wall. I wanted you to talk about that. <laughs> Thank you. There was a puppeteer that got very uncomfortable with that. He was like, puppetry's theater. There is no fifth wall. <laughs> well, explain um, that but, um, concept. I'm very pleased to say that there were about three labs where people wanted to talk about it. And the idea is that... In theater, to backtrack, in theater, the fourth wall is the wall the when the actors face the audience. That's the fourth wall. It's that invisible wall that you see through to see the play. And if an actor talks to the audience, that's called breaking the fourth wall. Well, there's, there's something in puppetry that I feel is related to that, but not that. In one of the puppet discussions, Somebody said, well, let me say what it, it is. What I'm calling the fifth wall is sometimes you see a puppet show and what you are focusing on is the puppet, not the puppeteer. But then all of a sudden, the puppet is aware of the puppeteer as a force of some kind, like sometimes as God or maybe um, something that's preventing them from something. Or um, a, a while ago, I had a friend with a, a, uh, a beautiful piece, a short puppet piece uh, of an old, uh, an old couple, and the man is senile, and he's gotten so senile that he needs to be taken to a home and the, the piece is called Ice Cream because the way that they get him into the vehicle to go to the hospital is tell him that there's ice cream. And, <clears throat> and my friends said to me one night, they said, you know, we're working this. We feel like there's still something. There's still something we could do. And I thought about it and I said, well, do you have another puppeteer. Of course, I was hoping it would be me, but they didn't use me. <laughs> but I said, do you have another puppeteer that wasn't, can you have another puppeteer in this bit that um, wasn't seen? They said, yes, we can do that because they were working with four people. And I said, well, what you could do is you could have two people holding the man so, so that um, Chris's face was revealed. They were in black, and Chris's face, you could see her while she was working the woman, and Lance's face, you could see him while he was working the man. But then, when the puppet had a moment of senility, Lance would take his hands off the puppet, and he would stare into space and, like, scratch his arm and be lost. But the puppet was still standing. So that was visually powerful because Lance became like the, the metaphor of that driving, thinking, you know, standing without that spiritual, that connect. I don't, you know, there's no words. So that's part of why it mm. works. <laughs> so, so the fifth wall is when the puppet morphs into a force or something that the puppet has to contend with. It's like a transcendence of some, yeah. of some type. So somebody said, well, maybe you're talking about like deus ex machina, God out of the machine that comes out of the sky. Because I do almost think of fifth wall being like 
coming out of the sky. But the reason I think that it's different is because my understanding of Deus Ex Machina is that it's always a positive thing. And um, so th the force is actually tends to be something that's in the puppet's way, um, even though it could be a positive thing. So, Well, I think, I think uh, this is a great... Uh... I think this is a great point to kind of uh, wind down mm -hmm. our discussion because it, it's about how far you can take this with with the with the puppeteer and the relationship with with the puppet and the audience and how they work together uh, to create a, 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 a transcendent moment in the art form, and I think that's really really exciting. Uh, Wow, uh, just just listening to you, uh, I think that's what great art does in any right. form, right. right? I mean, a, the spoken word takes you to another place, mm -hmm. and I think that's where mm -hmm. that's what I think that's one of our goals as artists, all of us here mm -hmm. at uh, Rachel, Sheila, and I. We want to take it somewhere else. Yeah, we want, right. and I think that that's the beauty of it. Wow, well, we got to thank. Uh, Rachel, right, uh, and, and her friends that she bought. Thank and you. Morgan. We have and, to thank you. <laughs> and yes, thank you. We want to see them on, on our website. Uh, we look forward to that. And uh, it's so nice to have another local artist right here in Tacoma yeah. Park. I think that's so important for this radio show at, uh, at WWD Tacoma Radio that, that um, we have you here uh, this day. And any other questions for Rachel before we, we close? Not right now because I have so much to absorb. I can't thank you enough. I feel like I've been brought into another another world. Absolutely. And it's, I hope for our audiences that they can that they reach that level of enthusiasm because we have Rachel here. And right. And so you have to imagine. <laughs> and, and, and her puppet friends. Right. Well, 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 thank you again, Rachel. And if people can come live, too, yes. they, they should. It's only a suggested donation. They don't even have to pay. They can just show up and okay. play with us. So, so repeat, <laughs> repeat again the venue and the... Uh, the Rhizome Lab, could you, could yeah. you, uh, and the Rhizome website? Rhizome DC, mm -hmm. um, it's at org. Thank okay. you so much. Thank you. Well, stay tuned to our next exciting program at WOW Tacoma Radio 94.3 FM on your dial. And you can also stream us uh, live at TacomaRadio.org. Check out our great website if you get a chance and you want to contribute to community radio. Click the Donate button. We appreciate your support. And without our listeners at WOWD Tacoma Radio, we would not be here and so popular on the globe. Stay tuned to our next exciting program with our own Bobby Hill and Clay Fink, This Music. Avant-Garde Jazz is right here. We invite you to listen every other Saturday between 8 and 9 to Robin's Radio. Right before us, it's an opportunity to listen to the radio of our youth and it brings out the child in everyone. Don't forget to tune in next Saturday to our same time slot from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., Lost Treasures by DJ Mackey. He is one of uh, Wowdy's great DJ music archaeologists. Listen every other Sunday from 8 to 10 to our friend Gail Barron's for the night ride home. So much music, talk shows, interviews, community news, from so many diverse people at this radio station, please go online and see the programming. Experience art and the visual in everything you do, and thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. High on a hill was a lonely goat herd, lay, hood, lay, hood, lay. Loud was the voice of the lonely goat herd, lay, hood, lay, hood, Folks in a town that was quite remote herd, lay, hood, lay, hood, lay. Lusty and clear from the goat herd's throat herd, lay, hood, lay, hood, Prince on the bridge.
Jibber Castle, Moat Herd Lay, Hoddle Lay, Hoddle Lay. Then on a road with a load to Toad Herd Lay, Hoddle Lay, Men in the midst of a towel, Joe Herd Lay, Hoddle Lay, Hoddle Men drinking beer with a foam of float Herd Lay, Hoddle Lay, Hoddle Girl and goat herd lay, oh, lay, oh, lay. 